Good afternoon. Welcome to Screen Cleaning. This is the show where we do our darndest to shine a big old spotlight on all that is good in entertainment. I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wissinger. And each and every week we bring you the very best in entertainment. And we like to start out by giving you the very best in entertainment news from the previous week. And this has been a big week, to say the least, Cole, because as we know, the Oscar nominations have Have come out. And we're going to talk more about the Oscars later in the program. But But there's still Oscar news to talk about even beyond the nominations. One that's not like earth shattering but it's kind of interesting uh, because it's basically a couple of theater chains that are taking a stand and saying we're not going to show Roma in our movie theaters. One of the best picture nominees. Not because it has super questionable content in it or you know it has we're taking making a stand against Mexico or anything like that but it's because it is a Netflix movie. Why do you think a theater chain would not want to support Netflix? Because Netflix is undermining them. That's right. That is the question. But the interesting thing is the way AMC is, we'll name drop, they're one of the theaters that won't do it. And the way they advertise these Oscar best picture marathons is come see all the movies that you saw in AMC theaters during the year now all in one place. And you didn't see Roma in AMC theaters during the year. You saw it on your TV and on Netflix. So kind of like Harry Potter, Roma is the film that shall not be named at AMC. And to be fair to AMC, Regal was the other theater chain that (laughs) will not be showing Roma. And while Roma is being banned from the movie theaters, there is an actor from Roma who may not be allowed to go to the Academy Awards ceremony. (gasps) He's one of the main characters in the film, and he's tried to get a visa three times and has been denied each and every time. So he may not be allowed to see his the film that he was in win a bunch of awards, which it likely will do. I'll keep my fingers crossed for him. There'll be other... Things neglected at the Academy Awards ceremony as well in their effort to try to keep it to a tight three hours, which still does not seem very tight to me and seems like it's going to go on and on. (laughs) There will be three of the five Oscar nominated original songs that won't make it onto the stage either. There, so now they've their plan to completely rule out Mary Poppins Returns (laughs) is complete. Uh, no Emily Blunt, and now no. Uh, the place where the lost, lost things, things go, go, which was nominated for best original song, and basically they're saying you're not going to win and you're not popular enough, so we're not going to make time for you. And I'm not okay with that, Cole. This is my favorite movie from 2018. That's why we talk about our favorites, so that the Oscars aren't the only decision-making body. You and I are the only important decision-making body, right? And we Cole? both loved Mary Poppins, right? And we don't need $50 million to shove our choices down your throat. Yeah, so the original song from Black <laughs> Panther and one of the original songs from Stars Born are the two that are the front runners, and they're the two that will actually get performed for the folks at the Oscar crowd. I'm predicting they'll still find a way to make the ceremony three hours long, but I guess or we'll have longer. to wait and see on February 24th, right? 
Yep. So I understand you've got some news too, right, Cole? Yeah, let's break away from movies for just a moment and talk television. Jeff, one of your favorite television shows, The Good Place, completed its third season last night. I want to get your reactions without spoilers for the folks about what you thought of season three. I'm going to be a bad place until season four returns. Aw. Which the silver lining in the show ending its third season so early is there is going to be a fourth season yay they renewed it which means that it's good enough even though if you look at nbc numbers they're really quite atrocious it's kind of a surprise that it's still around all broadcast television is struggling in the netflix era but it's such a clever show that they just when no not even just when you start to lose interest i feel like every episode ends on a cliffhanger they find some way to keep you engaged and interested the entire season throughout. I will admit season three is my least favorite of the three, and not just because the cliffhanger that this season ends on wasn't as earth-shattering as the ones from season they one and two. They kept trying to up themselves and up the ante, but... Right, and I, I don't think it's spoiling too much to say that in season three, they actually get to go back to Earth and reintroduce themselves to each other again. I just felt like they they weren't quite sure. It seems like they knew what they wanted to do with the plot. So they kind of are all over the place with the plot, but still some very clever gags. Still good TV. A very good a very likable cast. I mean, who doesn't like Ted Danson, right? Ted Danson of Cheers. Right. So I'm sure we'll have to wait, you know, another nine months or ten months until season four. But finally, then I'll be back in a good place. The Good Place is back for a season four in breaking news. The Simpsons is coming back for season 31. What? (laughs) And 32. But the real breaking news is it might not come back after that. I've heard that so many times, though, Cole. <laughs> the rumors are back way. around. But this time, I believe them a little more than we normally would, even though it seems like The Simpsons will keep churning out new episodes until the sun explodes. The Simpsons owners changed hands recently. <gasps> Disney is in charge, not Fox, That right? is a great point. And when you look at how The Simpsons makes money, it's through syndication. And, they and still merchandising. Have a, and merchandising, of course. But syndication is when old TV shows get to get played it again on other networks and the simpsons signed their syndication deal back in the early 90s because it's that old of a <laughs> tv crazy. show it was on in the 80s and because they're still under that deal there's no real avenue to get money from mm. the streaming platforms which is where you can make a ton of money and it is an expensive show to put to on make every all the actors yep. are getting paid more and more and so as disney takes it in and starts assessing their assets they got from fox on paper, and the accountants can tell them, hey, maybe you could start making more if you canceled The Simpsons. And think of how many people would tune in for the last episode of The Simpsons. Oh, for sure. I might actually watch it again I for would the watch... first time in 22 years. Yep, that sounds about right. <laughs> oh, it does remind me of The Simpsons' heyday, though. Anything between seasons one and ten, I would gladly watch. And I do. Every and I, so often. I grew up with that. And it's really interesting because... Those are shows that my mom did not want us to watch. She tried to, I don't want to say campaign, but she tried to get us to stop watching The Simpsons. The problem was my father liked watching The Simpsons as well. But it, it brings up an interesting point, and that is 
At what age is it appropriate to start showing your kids certain shows, certain movies? Because there are some questionable jokes in The Simpsons. Right. I understand why my parents didn't want me watching that as well. But I grew up with that, and I have such fond memories watching that. And it it might be something that I would enjoy showing to my kids later on. Um, but it brings up an interesting point, and one that we're actually going to cover in great detail later on in the show. We're creating a panel of parents that can help me decide what movies I can show to my kids now and which ones I'll probably have to wait a few years to enjoy with them. Uh, But before we get to that, we're going to be talking about a movie that I feel is a movie that you could show your kids, your younger kids now. And it's a movie that came out this weekend in theaters, and it's one that Cole uh, is kind of teasing me for because it is a kid's movie. And it may have looked a little... kid in the title. Right. It's yet another King Arthur story called... The Kid Who Would Be King. The Kid Who Would Be King. Right. So you know the story... Whoever pulls the sword out of the stone is the new king. So it's set in modern times, and the beginning of the movie starts off by brushing you up on the King Arthur story. In case you haven't seen any of the 20 other King Arthur movies or read a book or seen a television show ever. So you may be thinking, why do we need another version of this? Well, I can make a case for, I do believe we need another version of this that is appropriate for kids. Before this, we had the sword and the stone, and pretty much every other version is mainly for adults, right? Mm -hmm. So there is so much good in this movie. I was actually, the whole time I kept thinking, oh, I should have brought my kids to this. But I kind of wanted to be sure, so I, I went and saw it by myself. Safe just parenting, to be sure. Jeff. Right. So one thing, I, I do have a couple of complaints about the movie. I wish there would have been a little more humor in the film for adults. There, there was one particularly laugh-out-loud moment that I won't spoil. But other than that, it's, it, I would say it's a cute movie. But it's certainly not a funny, funny movie. And one complaint, another complaint I would have about this film is it does something that a lot of British films are doing these days. And instead of using measurements and gauges that we American or that they in Britain will do, they speak as if they are catering to an American audience. So instead of kilometers, they say, oh, that's 20 miles away. Even though they're in Great Britain. Right, exactly. Um, Maybe this is how China feels when the new Transformers movies come out. Yeah, not a big deal, but I always notice it, and it always makes me roll my eyes. Anyway, I don't want to make it sound like I didn't enjoy this movie, because I really, really did. There is uh, the the actor, the young actor who plays Merlin is so enjoyable to watch, and he all whenever he's putting on a spell or doing his magic, he is clapping his hands together and making these cupping noises. It almost seems like you're watching a Three Stooges routine, so that part is pretty funny. And then when he is an adult Merlin, he's played by Patrick Stewart, and I will admit Sir it is... Sir Patrick Stewart, back you. to the film. Thank you very much. And I will admit it is pretty amusing to see Patrick Stewart lounging around in a Led Zeppelin t-shirt, <laughs> because that's the garb that's available in those modern times, right? Um, and yeah, there are some parts that might be a little too scary for the youngest viewers, but Rebecca Ferguson plays, uh, 
King Arthur, the original King Arthur's sister, and she is coming back to this modern time to try to take the sword of Arthur from this young boy who has stumbled upon it. And so that part can be a little scary. Uh, if You know what? If you wanted to pause or lean over to your young one and say, you know what? That's Rebecca Ferguson. She's from The Greatest Showman. So Aww. that's okay. And my kids have seen The Greatest Showman, yeah. so they would probably recognize and appreciate her. Just a, if I had to sum it up, I would say the kid who would be king is a very clever and the one word I kept thinking throughout the movie was cute. This is a cute, cute movie that I will most likely show to my young kids. I really enjoyed it. The That's kid a decent would be review. King. That's better than I thought it would be, Jeff. Yeah. You've piqued my interest. So speaking of movies that I can show to my kids, when we return, we are going to find out how good or how bad of a parent I am, depending on which of these movies I've already shown them and which ones I just am itching to show them. That's up next here on Screen Cleaning. Welcome back to Screen Cleaning. We are so excited to have uh, two very special guests on the show today. We have Rod Gustafson, who works on the Lisa Valentine Clark Show. Hello, Rod. Hi, Jeff. And we've got Sean O'Neill, who really does everything here. He keeps the lights Mm -hmm. running. He's the man that we turn to when there's a problem. Sean, welcome to the show. Yes, they feed me and I run around on the wheel. (laughs) (laughs) I have to admit, gentlemen... You are here for selfish reasons, really, <laughs> because I, I'm i not great at making decisions sometimes, and so why not have other people make them for me? Hmm. And what I mean by that is there have been times when I have chosen to show my children some of my favorites, uh, favorite movies that I loved growing up a wee bit too early, and I have some horror stories surrounding those, and so... I, I'm just itching to show them all these great movies that I grew up with, and I just wanted to make sure that I'm within my rights as a parent of a basically a five- and a seven-year-old to do that. So what we're going to do is we are going to create a panel between the three of us, and we're going to vote on whether or not we can show these two, and we'll open it up a little bit to four- to eight-year-olds. So thank you for... Mm-hmm. Helping make my decisions for me. <laughs> okay. Wow. Shouldn't you bring your wife in to make these decisions? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I usually end up choosing the movie anyway. And so okay. it, it she might, doesn't want to be bothered with that, you know, sort of thing. In my case, for people who don't know, I've been reviewing movies from a parent's perspective for 25 years. So all of my kids' friends go, oh, don't ask your dad if we can watch this movie because he'll say no. <laughs> and Sean has been re- reviewing movies yes. for quite a while, too. Yeah. So these are people that you can trust, <laughs> and I'm trusting you to make the decision that will be in line with my desires. Is okay. that how this works? Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, I'll just say no. No, Jeff. Don't do it. Someone's got to tell Jeff no. So to get started, yeah. before we get into the movies themselves, I want to hear from the panel about some of those horror stories that Jeff mentioned, where maybe as you were raising your children, you, you showed them something just a bit too soon. Yeah. So I'll go ahead and share first, since okay. I'm the one that came up with this idea anyway, and I, I need your help. 
Because uh, after showing them Jumanji, probably about a year, year and a half ago, the original, how old? The original Jumanji, so they would have been, you know, three and five ish. Oh, so wow. they didn't even make it past the first five minutes. You hear bats mm-hmm. starting to flutter down the chimney as they're playing the game. They didn't even see the bats. All they could do is hear them. And they're covering their eyes saying, no, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. I turned it off, deleted it from my DVR, and my six-year-old gets all doughy-eyed, and she turns to me and says, why would you show that to us? (laughs) And I felt like a horrible parent. I I recently took that same daughter to go see Goosebumps 2. We made it about 30 minutes into that, and even now, to this day, she still talks about what she called at the time Sloppy the Doll, which is actually Slappy the Doll. <laughs> I think she's even prayed that she could forget about Slappy the Doll. And then sometimes it's not even it's not even as funny because sometimes we watch movies that have heavier subject matter mm-hmm. like Up and Pete's Dragon. My daughter, my older daughter, does not handle things like that very well. And what I mean by that is parents dying right. or – a parent not being present. Mm-hmm. There are things that are just uh, she's a little too young for still that she doesn't want to and doesn't know how to process yet. So those are my okay. horror stories. I know I've experienced this. Um, my my kids are uh, my oldest is twenty, uh, my youngest is fourteen, and I still experience this when I'm I, I've, I'm you know I'm, I'm sitting at home I'm. I'm, I've got the Netflix on. I'm, I'm going through Friends, all 10 seasons. <laughs> and, and my kids walk in the room and sit down and watch it with me. And I'm thinking, uh, wow, they really talk a lot about sexual yeah. stuff Isn't in this Isn't it amazing TV show? when your kids yeah. sit down, what you notice? Yes. 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 Yeah. It is. Yes. And I, I feel bad in those situations because usually I'm trying to get my kids to leave the room. Yes. So I can keep watching that thing that's really not appropriate. <laughs> Trust me, the kids notice too when they're oh, – <laughs> They do. Yeah. Yes. Yep. You know, it wasn't until I picked up the Blu-ray of Saturday Night Fever just a few years back that I discovered the one I was watching when I was a young lad was the PG-rated version. version. I didn't know they cut two versions. Big problem. For new parents out there, when you hire a babysitter and you say, and you can go ahead and show the kids a movie, have a designated shelf of movies. because Or we a got, designated movie. Uh, yes, or a designated movie. Even better. Thank you, Sean. Because in we, this streaming world we live in. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's very nice. I can hear James Bond. Uh, <laughs> it, I, when I, we got the phone call from my little son, who at the time I think was about nine, and he's quietly talking on the phone, and he goes, Mom, Dad, we there's a problem. The babysitter's showing us a movie, and I don't want to watch the movie, and they say that I need to just sit still and not worry about it. Well, this mm. movie was an R-rated movie with oh. a lot of sexual content, and, and we thought we knew these babysitters really well. That's when we learned, okay, there's The Lion King, there's mm-hmm. you know the little <laughs> shelf yeah. of yeah. movies. You know yeah. what I learned from that? You've got great kids. So these problems can sometimes be generational, and so you're not the only ones at fault here. I'm sure that your parents might have exposed you to something before you ought to have. I have a babysitter story of my own. When I was being babysat, my friends and I were playing a video game without my babysitter's knowledge called Mortal Kombat 2. I was five years old at the time, and this video game, for reasons of violence, blood, and gore, was rated by the ESRB, which is the video game equivalent of the MPAA, as mature, 
which is the video game equivalent to R. Uh, you got to be 17 years or older to play this game. And I came oh. home trying to punch and kick and freeze. Get and, over here. And get over here, anything in sight. Finish him. And so I'd like to hear maybe mm-hmm. if you, when you were kids, were exposed to something maybe a little too early as well. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I remember repeating one of the very naughty <laughs> words that was said in the film. I, But uh-huh. I think that comes with being the youngest with uh, of in a family of seven kids is oh, okay yeah they they really can't wait that long to start enjoying all these no, family classics the the youngest is going to have a different influence than the oldest right that one unfortunately has a ton of language and my yeah. wife still tells me that's a bad movie even though i've 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 watched it a couple of times <laughs> but it just teaches bad morals she says and i i must admit she's probably right do you know what my grandmother's takeaway from that film was she didn't like it because that boy ruined a perfectly good parade. <laughs> <laughs> and car. Well, the other boy. Yeah. <laughs> so was there one as a kid that... Oh, that, yeah. Uh, I still remember um, going to the theater. I was 10 years old, and uh, but I got... It's a classic movie, and I still watch it to this day. Uh, Jaws. Hmm. Oh. Oh, wow. Ooh. 10. Yeah, I was 10 years old when Jaws came out. I saw it in the theater. And then I remember my parents going to the beach and going to the beach with my parents Mm. and not wanting to go in the water. Jaws is a scary one, but we're going to start off with some fantasy and adventure. Let's go ahead and dive into the movies we're going to talk about today. Now, today is Friday, and Fridays just happen to be movie night in the Simpson household, if okay. I'm told correctly. <laughs> this is really why we this had to be done today. I see. All right. We need to make a verdict on the one that Jeff really wants to show his kids tonight, and that is the episode six, the third installment in the original Star Wars trilogy, Return, oh, so of, Return the of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. My big and concern, what are the ages again? Is it okay so for I, a four to eight-year-old? Four to eight-year-old. Eight my biggest oh, wow. concern is uh, Princess Leia's role with Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, in the, the, but the, this, the bikini. But at this point, we've already watched two of the three films, and I'm thinking maybe four to Which, eight. So you've watched you've watched four and five. Yes, I'm thinking maybe the four to eight year olds aren't really going to pick up on that or be bothered by it. I'm going to go ahead and say yes, it's okay for a four to eight year old to watch Return of the Jedi. Hmm. Well, unfortunately, I'm going to be Mr. Serious here, having spent a quarter of a century studying media literacy and media effects, behaviors, and all that business. Did you know that there are a a couple of very well-grounded studies that show that children cannot discern between fantasy and reality until about the age of eight? Uh And so Mm -hmm. I think you need to be really, really careful prior to eight years old. So. As much as I love that film, and I suspect that my youngest daughter probably watched it around six because all the older kids wanted to watch it, yeah. I would say no. I'd be really careful with it. Oh, See, I, I don't know that I'd even worry about the whole bikini thing. I'd be worried about the uh, the sand, uh, the, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the, the scene the where Sarlacc everybody is. Pit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. That That is, I mean, you got enough Wilhelm screams in there to choke a horse. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so are you giving me good news or bad news? I you see. I am always of the opinion that the parent is the best one to make that decision. Yes, <sighs> couldn't agree more. But yeah. if it was your yeah. kids, and if it was my kid, and my see my eight year olds, no, no, wow. I would not have shown that we're film both, to my eight year olds. We're both knows. 
Yeah. Oh my goodness! If you this... want to feel validated, Jeff, I watched but that's... the three back to back to back when I was about four. And look so... what happened yeah. to you! That if is... they could only see Cole <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but then again, that is my eight year old. Sure, I I know my kids, and and I know what they're you know what they think about things. So that's yeah. why I would. This is altering important. my Friday night. Oh, Sorry. Wow. Okay. So those Star Wars movies were rated PG, if yes, I'm not were. mistaken. Yes. But then some of the later ones became PG-13. It's now a yes. very large and widespread franchise. We're going to tackle another large franchise as well here. Let's talk about the Harry Potter movies. There's eight of them, and the first three are rated PG. Right. Yes. Do you think even the PG ones, in your parental guidance opinions, are okay for four- to eight-year-olds? No. Mm. <laughs> Um, wow. Harry Potter, you should start at 12 when Harry Potter was 12 yes. and, and you go in order. Yeah. And that's part, wow. of, that's part of the difficult thing. Like when we were growing up with Harry Potter, we, meaning my children, yeah. they were kind of spaced at the appropriate time frame. But now to binge watch them and you have an eight-year-old who wants to watch them all, yep. we'll move on. See, you know what's interesting about this, and we'll probably recognize this as we go on, but we have probably seen a lot of these films during that age, but now that we are the responsible parents that we ought to be anyway, we're not okay with that. But I grew up with all these movies, and like Cole said, we turned out all right, didn't we? Yeah, sure. So I've shown my kids parts one through three, because those are the only ones that aren't PG-13. Right. But, gosh, I guess overall I'm just going to have to say no. all of my kids, when they hit the age of 13 – I think every single one of them came up to me and said, okay, when do I get to go to a PG-13 movie? Yeah, yeah. And I, I told them, who knows? Mm. And you, Just because you turn 13 doesn't mean you get to go to a PG-13 movie. And just because you're of an age to see something, that doesn't mean you can see something else. Yeah, the MPAA has given us a decent guideline, and all the movies mm-hmm. that I'm going to present to our panel here today are PG movies. Right. Right. Well, and but we also, there's different ranks of PG. Uh, yeah, and having studied mm-hmm. movie ratings for, for so long. By the way, they turned 50 this year, the movie rating yes. system. Happy but birthday. having studied those for so long, we really, and I mean, I won't even begin to go on about how much movie ratings changed over the years because mm-hmm. the PG rating in 1975 is a totally different rating than it is oh, now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. that's when Jaws came out. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. sounds like once you're Harry Potter's age, you can enjoy these films. 12 years old is what I'm hearing. And have them read the book first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, if the, they had to go and make them so magical and charming. See, that's just it. A lot of parents look at this fantasy genre and think, oh, well, it's fantasy. My kids can enjoy fantasy. But, you know, there's there's a adult stuff and there's there's content in fantasy movies that True. is too much for kids. Mm-hmm. Fantasy is one way to soften the blow. Music yes. is another. So let's talk about a movie about a little kid okay. that's framed in a musical but maybe has some questionable themes. Uh, Oliver with an exclamation mark. <laughs> this is one of my favorite movies growing up. Probably in my top ten favorites. Mm-hmm. One of my top ten favorites. And, you know, I'm going through the mental checklist, and I'm thinking, okay, my kids love anything with music. They'll dance to it. They'll listen to the soundtrack. They love it. Um, My kids don't do so well with heavier topics, and this one has plenty of them. You've got an orphan. You've got an abusive husband. You've got thieves in it. The music is – it's probably one of the better soundtracks I've heard from a musical. However – 
the thing that does it in for me that makes it so that I cannot in good conscience show it to my kids is, spoiler alert, the villain is not only scary, but he beats his wife to death. Oh, wow. And I think that yeah. would be a little too traumatic for my kids. That sounds so, like Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Oh, that's another good one. Can but, I show that to my kids? Yeah, right. <laughs> and we're talking about the old 1968 Oliver, right? Best picture the, of the rated year. Rated G. Rated G. Yeah, yeah. And this Wait is a minute. How... Wait a minute. The guy beats his wife to death and it's rated well, G? I have not seen this. Screen. This is the difference between, I mean, Torah, 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 which I love that film. It was rated G, but you better be I remember seeing that to in the theaters, too. Talk to your kids about some pretty heavy topics. And Definitely. this is part of the evolution of sensitivities and our culture and film ratings and all those other. So there's got to be one movie on here that I can show my kids, Cole. So how about a very innocent one? Whenever Rod was talking about starting conversations with your kids, let's talk about one that's very, Hmm. it's very kid friendly, but it does talk about some heavier themes. And I know that you all love the movie, but let's see if you would show wonder wonder to a small kid. Oh, absolutely. Yes, I have shown it to my kids. The only thing I would say about this is they're not going to request it. They're not going to want to watch it over and over again. However, it does bring up some topics that I do think are important for younger kids to have with their parents in a safe environment. So watching it with your kid, I would think it's okay to watch Wonder. Well, and this is when we need to remember what does PG stand for? Parental guidance. Exactly. exactly. And that is one film that I think the PG label, I think it could be a very productive film with parental guidance. And that's not a movie I would show to a four and an eight-year-old. Really? Parental Mm -hmm. guidance, no. Oh, parental guidance. (laughs) Yes, thank you, Sean. Billy Crystal, Bette Midler. But Wonder, 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 I think I would, if I was watching it with the eight-year-old, yes. The four-year-old, the four-year-old is not going to be able to discern the messages in the movie, I don't think. No. But by the time they're starting school, six and seven, yes. possibly. Because of, well, because of the, you know, spoiler alert here, because of the bullying message mm-hmm. yeah. that's yeah. in that movie, yeah. I, I, I would not have a problem with the eight-year-old. I would l- – exposing the eight-year-old to that sort of mm-hmm. uh, thing I think is a good thing. Yeah. Because I think it's I think that is presented well in that movie. Yeah, yeah. But watch it with them, parents. Yes. But I, I do watch think it with them. four to eight is a good age age because that's the age at which point in their lives they're saying, "Mommy, why does that person look like that? Why does that person have mm-hmm. different colored mm-hmm. skin? Why yes. does that person? Why is their face weird? You know? Yeah. So I think it's a good idea to talk to them about those and help them try to be a little more sensitive as much as they can process it. Anyway. And the, the risk but, of, uh, of exposing my age, is one of the great <laughs> things about the last three, four decades is the pause button, which mm-hmm. I didn't have when oh, I yeah. was a child. Yes. Good you point. experience Good point. those movies in a dark theater. Your parents yeah, you paid for yeah. parking and popcorn and everything else. You sat through it. Today, don't be afraid to take over. So you talk about some of the themes maybe of Wonder going over a younger kid's head. Yes. Jeff has a favorite movie that he really wants to show his kids, but I'm sure the whole thing is going to go over their heads. What are your thoughts on the movie The Great Escape? Uh, Steve McQueen? Yes. I would I would probably call it my favorite movie of all time. And so this comes back to why that. we're having the conversation. The four of us in this room love movies, and so of course gonna... we want to share those movies. Oh, th- that is something that that my wife and I have talked about. In fact, uh, my 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 brother-in-law lives immediately behind us. We actually have a gate on our fence. 
uh, so that when my mother-in-law comes, she stays with him and we and we, they, we go back and forth easily. But he comes over for Sunday dinner all, every week. And so we talk about sharing movies with the kids. And we're, we have we have actually made a list that we're mm-hmm. sharing. And, and now that the kids are older, the list has changed. But you see, The Great Escape, you're going to create such – there's going to be so many questions about that movie. So why are they in the prison? <laughs> what, 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 what was going on, Dad? What was you know? You're going to have to get into this whole explanation of world politics and and world war and what's going on. It, something I really appreciate about The Great Escape, Tora Tora Tora, Bridge on the River Kwai. There there were a number of these epic movies that were made during that time that you could show to a much younger audience than, for instance, Saving Private Ryan and the era of... The big sweeping movies we have now. Yes, Yes. yeah. And so would I show The Great Escape to a four to an eight-year-old? No. But nine, ten-year-old with parental guidance? Possibly, depending on the child. I think that there... I mean, the biggest issue with The Great Escape from an adult perspective is it really sanitizes a very serious situation. But it is a really riveting movie that it does not have so much graphic violence that you can't begin that discussion with your kids about that time in history. If you're keeping score at home, so far the only movie I can show my kids <laughs> is Wonder. So yeah. you're kind and only, of and only the eight year old. You're kind of crushing my adulthood dreams of sharing my childhood memories with my kids. Seriously, you have to be patient as your kids grow up with yeah. what movie they can see. Yeah, I went I went through that too, Sean. Where I was so anxious to share yes. everything with them when they were young, mm-hmm. and you do need to. You're better off to have that patience. Is the yes. perfect word. You know, go find Ramona and Beezus. There's my favorite movie to show a five-year-old. You know, I love to make references to movies and to TV shows to my kids. And and I would love to have them catch every single reference that I talk about. But they can't. Yeah. And and you have to to let them be a kid and give them time to – to grow into those references. Otherwise, you'll turn out like Cole and me is what I'm hearing. Yep. Anyway, when we return from the break, I think things are actually going to become more difficult and I might be more depressed when we return. This is Screen Cleaning. It's got any sports in it? Are you kidding? Fencing, fighting, torture... Revenge, giants, monsters, chases, escapes, true love, miracles. Doesn't sound too bad. I'll try and stay awake. Oh, that is the most quotable movie that I think I've ever seen. And we did quote it constantly in my home. And we still do over, you know, Google Chat. And Is Google Chat a thing? Did I just make yeah. that up? Google okay. chat. We text no, each other movie lines, okay? Give me a break. Used it. <laughs> so that, of course, is from The Princess Bride, and I assume we're going to be talking about that one next, Cole? Yes. So all of those themes of violence and whatnot, they seem a little heavy for a small child, right? So let's continue our discussion on are these movies appropriate for kids with Jeff's favorite current movie, the Princess Bride. Can he, you share it with his daughters? This is mm. the one of all of these films. This is the one I'm most eager to show to my daughters. There's a princess in it. And as Peter Falk said, there's all these other great things in it. Uh, fencing, fighting, revenge, true love, but miracles. torture and poison and giants. Oh, my. Like, that's a lot of heavy things <laughs> that's for kids, true. right? However, there is. There's only... 
I I would say yes on this for sure, with the caveat that going back to what Rod said, I'm going to watch this with them, make sure that I'm there if I need to pause something or fast forward. There's really only one objectionable scene in the film for me, and it's kind of the climactic scene between Count Rugen and Inigo Montoya. There's some language in there. There's some violence in there, and it could be a little disturbing. But overall, yes, I've got to say yes. (laughs) It's such a pure, fun, classic movie that... I watched it at a very young age, and uh, I, I really hope to show it to my girls at that special age. And what is that special age? Four to eight. Mm, not the four-year-old. Definitely not. Yeah, I'm sorry. What? Same thing on this one, too. Oh. Gosh, Sean. And I don't even know if... we weren't friends when we were raising kids. They would have hated both of us. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and I'm, I'm questioning the eight-year-old, too. Yeah. But, yeah, we loved every minute of it. And I don't even remember the, the, that last climactic scene being filtered out either. Yeah. But I, I've always loved the line that Inigo Montoya says that we mm-hmm. probably can't say on the air. But uh, <laughs> he's basically um, – he's telling Count Rugen, like, offer me anything I ask yeah. for. And then before he finishes the deed – he asks him for the one thing that Count Rugen cannot give him, yeah. which is his father back. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, you, you cleaned it up nicely, actually. I'm going to yeah. stick and to then my he yes on this. Swears. Yeah. So let's get to a couple movies that are pretty good for kids, except for that language element. Mm. I know Sean loves one and Jeff loves the other, so we're going to lump them together. Talk about the Goonies and the Sandlot. Are they okay for an eight-year-old? Because I'm pretty sure I know where you're going with a four-year-old, right? Oh, I, yeah. I've asked my wife a couple of times about the Goonies, and I've I've tried to reassure her. I've got the TV edited version of the Goonies, and she's That's a very still, short movie. She still think, seems to think <laughs> no, but you think about what kids love, and you would think, oh, my goodness, a treasure hunt? They're going to love that. They're going to love this big giant deformed superhero type of guy they're gonna well they probably won't love the villains and maybe i'm kind of talking myself out of showing this to them (laughs) i can wait on that one i I, it's probably if i'm honest it's not it's not good for a four to eight year old yeah Uh, the you know i'm 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 just reminded of, of the sandlot has got some stuff in it that is they talk about stuff but you don't see it Whereas yeah. in the in the Goonies, you're seeing stuff that is that it's is kids, going on. It's kids in peril. Whereas Sandlot, it is. They're just but there's running also, away from a dog. But there's also people talking about stuff in the Goonies that is not. We we can't mention it on the air. Not appropriate. But, sure. Yeah. And then there's a, a nude male statue that has you know something happened to it. And True. It's just like yeah. So in full disclosure, I have not seen the Goonies. <gasps> I'm sorry. But I've watched The Sandlot okay. many times. You're never going to get that citizenship, Rod, if I'm you don't never watch The Goonies. <laughs> <laughs> I have watched The Sandlot many times. And eight and over, I would be fine with, with yeah. parental guidance. Exactly. What I like about The Sandlot is the messages that are there. And I think those messages are even more important for our screen-addicted Gen Zers today <laughs> is that... You know, go find a bat, find a ball, and have a boring afternoon in the sun in a baseball field. And I was anything but a a little athlete when I was that age. But I remember being bored out in the middle of the field, and 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 baseball isn't even the center of the story, really. It's all the adventures, everything else that happens, and. 
If you can't, I am willing to excuse a few little moments of content <laughs> in that movie of a possibly objectionable content because there are such powerful messages in it. I think the the Sandlot is much more of a team, much more of a team movie hmm. than than the Goonies is. I think. Yeah. Okay, so it sounds like these guys are okay with uh, the Sandlot. There, you found not, one. Not. Uh, the Goonies, unfortunately. One that wasn't on his list to begin with. I just wish with. I liked The Sandlot as much as I like The Goonies. <laughs> oh, I, I, love the, I love The Sandlot, I but too. I'm a big baseball fan. So, so yeah. when we're talking about kids, what about a movie that's all about a kid wanting to be this grown-up? We're all the grown-ups in the room saying kids can watch this and they can't watch that. Mm-hmm. But the movie Big is all about a kid no. wanting to be in a... D- flat. That flat was a f- no. Quick, yeah. right out of the gate. There no. is a flat no on that one for four to eight years old. Yeah. Way Sorry. too much sexual content. Yeah, yeah, I can say no, but I mean, you've got the scene with like the the giant size keyboard, and you got jumping up and down on the on the uh, bunk bed and but eating then pizza. You've got, and... you've got Tom Hanks and this lady who are dating, and and she asks, "Do you want to spend the night?" It is a little creepy, and his his response to that was pretty funny, but yeah. we probably can't say. No. You know, I think what I really need to come back to is it's not like we can only show our kids what's in the theater like when I was a kid. Right. You have got choices, access to everything, all those great films in the 60s and 50s that kids can really enjoy and whatnot that uh, – and, and Jeff is yawning. I, I don't – I think he's just <laughs> yawning because I don't want to watch those I've already – I've checked yeah. out because all my favorites are Nick's. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, we're not bringing up Disney movies and Pixar yeah, movies here. These are the ones on the borderline. Jeff yeah. knows that he can show Coco to anyone right. that he wants. Right. But these are the ones that he still loves and he, he wants to show them but – Maybe needs to be more patient. Oh, one of my kids, one of my kids was sick from school or something one day, and I showed them there was something on the Learning Channel. He's really into space and whatnot. He actually builds rockets now for a living, and um, but it was this TV show on the Learning Channel about aliens. I swear, I did not get a full night's sleep for five, six months after Whoa. I made that mistake because <laughs> he was so, scared. Yes, and oh. you know when I think about it, I remember one night he walked into our bedroom and I said halfway in my sleep, I said. Garrett, if you think those aliens are scary, if you wake me up one more time, you will. (laughs) And when I look back at it, I put that poor kid through a lot because, you know, we watch this. You really have to be careful of those younger children. You really do. Mm. Aliens are pretty scary, but if there's one thing that little boys love more than aliens, it's probably dinosaurs. And I would say that that's because of a movie that I watched a lot when Uh. I was younger than eight, (sighs) and that's Jurassic Park. I already know. Don't even say it. I already know what you're going to say. Even assuming eight assume uh, eight years old give us a little bit here no <laughs> i'm sorry i was 10 years old when this movie came out and i saw it three times in the movie theater but i was 10 so it's that's i understand 10. that's just outside this i was range one here. year old when this came out and i cannot remember a time in my life where i didn't know everything about <laughs> jurassic park i saw See, it probably when i was three four five six seven eight nine i remember taking a date to this movie in the theaters at, while I was here at college. Oh, I thought you were going to say while you were 10 years old. No. It's like, wow, <laughs> that's progressive. But I still, remember, I still remember being scared in this movie in the theater. Wow. Yeah. It's thrilling. Did she it put is. her arm around you? <laughs> I, I, that I don't rem- I don't know. I, I don't remember. You never Cole, know. Give me, give me some good news here. There's got to be one besides The Sandlot and Wonder. 
I've got one more, and it's it's one of Jeff's personal favorites again. But oh, it well, is, I'm just going to say no right there. It does. <laughs> it does. If Jeff likes it. it edge right. a little bit on the creepy side, mainly because of one particular performance. Jeff's a big fan of Lemony Snicket's a series of mm. unfortunate events, Ooh. which is about kids. This is the Jim Carrey version. Right? Jim Carrey yeah. version yeah, that I haven't seen. Rod, have you seen it? Yeah, I have. Many years ago as a film critic, it's one of those 1,001 movies that you see one time. I saw it the one time. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was one of the 1,001 movies you have to watch before you die, which I could agree with. (laughs) I love it that much. That he just happened to see before he died. I can't say I loved it, but I I feel quite confident in saying no, that would not be something I'd be anxious to show a a young child pre-eight-year-old. So yeah, I I'm you know I uh, sadly sorry guys I I warned you before you invited me to the show I'm very particular about movies that you show really young children I think sometimes they have more of a lasting effect than and I know the I know all of us have seen uh, if you guys knew some of the movies my mother had the attitude of she was a wonderful lady bless her soul but she took me to everything I saw Mash <laughs> when it was like ten oh, Deliverance wow. Wow. Deliverance when it was like eleven I, me I saw. Deliverance when I was younger too. Yeah, yes. and not sure if adults see, see Deliverance. This yeah. is the point. This is part of the point, though. You guys turned out all right yeah, in the end, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, mean, I think there's of, also I'm a not sure. Though. I wanted to know what dueling banjos was all about. Yeah, me though, neither. At that age. Yeah, I don't think I did either. There's yeah. a little bit of a difference between stumbling upon it because I stumbled upon Monty Python and the Holy Grail when I was too young to get a lot of that, I or can't, stumbled mm, upon another one. I can't wait to show my kids. Spaceballs, which is another very inappropriate movie when I was too young. Yep. But it's different when my parents sit me down and say, yes, Colin, this. this is a good movie. Watch it with us. And then you get betrayed by I how wanna, scary or inappropriate it might be. I want to point out, Cole has never mentioned his full name on the air before. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for that. It's what my parents call me. Yeah. Okay. Uh. All right. <laughs> um, so Cole is kind of my ace in the hole on this one because he has seen it. And Cole, I am right on the fence, so I need you to help me. I think that an eight-year-old would might be okay with a series of unfortunate events just because it's about their age. And, yeah, you get a little bit scared, but when you're there with her and just kind of – the way you watch movies, Jeff, you could point out how funny Jim Carrey is and maybe diffuse some of that for her. The problem is they don't do well with the heavy subject of oh. being orphaned. Then, you know, they lose they lose their parents that, in a fire. I mean, that's the overarching yeah. theme of the movie, I isn't know it? it? It is. That's really oh, what it's about. Oh, no. This is bad. This is going <laughs> very poorly. We're not saying you can't show them yeah. ever. Yeah. We're saying wait. Yeah. And I know that's probably harder than harder than saying don't ever show it to ooh, them. Go play in ooh, the backyard ooh. those first eight years. Yeah, yeah, and wait until they can really enjoy it. Another one that I saw so young that I just didn't get it was the whole Star Wars trilogy that we yeah. started our conversation yeah. talking about. Mm-hmm. So I was deprived of the moment that realizing that Darth Vader was Luke's father because I just always grew up knowing that that moment happened. It, it didn't mean anything to me because mm-hmm. I'd seen it so young. Okay, but in all fairness and respect, this isn't to say I'm going to completely disregard the advice I've gotten here today. But they've got to find out what happens to Han Solo, right? Because that was her overall – she could care less about whether Darth Vader was Luke's father. However, the one question she kept asking was – what happened to the guy that they froze? 
So she's got to find out the answer to that one at least. Mm-hmm. True love's kiss. Yep. You show you show her the Raider series and tell tell her he went they, he went over here. He went to Africa to go <laughs> there fight, you go. fight uh, some Nazis. You know, I guess just not wanting to end this on a serious note, but I have sat in so many screenings of usually PG thirteen movies where they invite the critics and it's a promo screening. You're in a big pack theater. I will sit beside a, a, a parent who has brought a four or five year old. They spend the entire Yes. movie saying don't be scared it's okay oh. don't ever tell your kids don't be scared okay yeah. don't let yeah. them don't yeah. deny their feelings they're authentic and be careful i have seen parents who think i've been to these same screenings i've seen parents who are oh well we got free tickets everybody has to go yeah, yeah. and i have seen parents literally grab their jacket and throw it over the child's Ahead, yeah. so they can't see what is on the screen let them Look be children the, start with start with the rating then, I mean, there are so many things out there for parents now to look at online. Mm-hmm. You can you can go out there and, and look at it, and and you know what? There's nothing wrong with paying for a movie twice. Yeah, that's go see true. The, go see Your the child movie is first. Worth, is worth exactly. That, yeah. yeah. Well, I think I've learned quite a bit here today on the program, and really I think it all circles back to you know your kids better than anybody else. Yes. And who knows, like maybe maybe either the older kid or the younger could, could handle a certain movie and maybe the other kid could not. So I guess just make more informed decisions when you're just itching, you're chomping at the bit to share <laughs> some of those childhood favorites but we really appreciate your time here on the program rod gustafson and sean o'neill when we return as we always do cole and i are going to share our panning for good segment with you where we shine an extra heavy spotlight on something that is good that we want you to know about this is screen cleaning Producer Mickey Randall here. It's award season, which I always like because it means that it's time to reflect on the best movies you've seen this year. And the time to hear everyone's opinion on everything they've watched this year. But, of course, we all know that the opinions that get the most time in the spotlight are that of the people that give out awards. And just so we're clear, it's not just the Oscars that are giving out the trophies. There are plenty more awards to be had by all. But, If you're like me, sometimes you just can't make up your mind. Did I like this performance or that performance better? Do I think that Black Panther should win Best Costume Design, or should the award go to a period piece? Was La La Land the best picture of the year, or was it actually Moonlight? I know, it's a hard choice. And you and I aren't the only ones that have a hard time making up our minds. In fact, there have been several instances of award show ties where two people go home with a prize instead of just one. For instance, you may have heard that in 2019, Amy Adams and Patricia Arquette tied for Best Supporting Actress at the Critics' Choice Awards. At the same show, Lady Gaga tied with Glenn Close for Best Actress. Awards for everyone, I guess. And this isn't the only time that a tie has been awarded. If you remember anything about the 1989 Golden Globes, you'll know what I'm talking about. Jodie Foster, Shirley MacLaine, and Sigourney Weaver all tied for Best Actress in a Drama, and Michael J. Fox, Judd Hirsch, and Richard Mulligan tied for Best Actor in a Television Show, Musical, or Comedy. There have been several ties at the Oscars throughout the years, but perhaps the most notable would be that of Barbara Streisand and Audrey Hepburn in 1969 for Best Actress. However, only Barbara was there to accept the award. 
Now, based on my research, there have been quite a few ties of the Grammys, which are the music awards, if you don't know. But most of the ties occur in the more obscure categories and are not usually televised. And as far as I can tell, there's never been a tie at the Emmys, which are the awards for television shows. So if anyone ever asks you which avenue of the entertainment industry is the most decisive, definitely say television. And that's about it for award show ties, at least for now. I mean, you never really know. Welcome back to Screen Cleaning, and thank you to producer Mickey for letting us know what happens when there are ties at these awards shows. As you all know, it is awards season in the entertainment world, and it's especially relevant today because, as of now, we know some of the nominations for our favorite of the awards because we love movies on Screen Cleaning. It's the Oscars. So before we leave you today, I'd like to just go through some of my personal favorites, some of just the interesting nominations. You can check back to our episode that happened last week where Jeff, Mickey, and I all made some predictions, most of which were kind of wrong. But that's all right. You can keep us honest anyway. So for best picture, let's just start with the one that people are interested in, Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite... Green Book, Roma, A Star is Born, and Vice. Eight nominees this year, and a couple of them PG-13, for those that want to go check them out. Bohemian Rhapsody got a lot of buzz in the news. It was an underdog to get the Golden Globe, even though it did. Um, And its original director, Brian Singer, has been in the news for some not good reasons. But Dexter Fletcher is the name of the director that finished it up, and I think he put together a pretty decent movie. I finally got around to watching it. Um, okay, maybe not best picture good, but it's fine. It's not quite as bad as everyone's talking about it, it being or not being worthy of best picture. Also, Black Panther, of course, breaks through the wall that the Academy has been keeping comic book movies out of. It's nominated for best picture, first big budget superhero movie to do that. And it's also the second biggest domestic box office earner to ever get nominated for best picture, trailing only 2009's Avatar by James Cameron. Um, and A Star is Born and Green Book, we've we've reviewed before here on the show, a lot of PG-13 fare to check out for best picture. The lead actor is kind of why I think that Bohemian Rhapsody ends up being a decent film, and its lead actor, Rami Malek, gets nominated as well. Uh, you can also check out Christian Bale from Vice, Bradley Cooper from A Star is Born, uh, nominated for his acting, not his directing, by the way, even though he did both, Willem Dafoe from At Eternity's Gate, and then Viggo Mortensen from Green Book, lead actress... Yelitsa Aparicio from Roma gets nominated for her performance. Glenn Close is a familiar name at awards season for her role in The Wife. Olivia Colman from The Favorite. Lady Gaga from A Star is Born gets nominated for acting. She's multifaceted. She's been acting in television before from American Horror Story and got nominated for some Emmys there. Now she's moving her way up to movies and the Oscars. And then Melissa McCarthy, taking a break from the comedies that she's even done during this year, um, gets nominated for her role in Can You Ever Forgive Me? So that's your big, your best picture, your lead actors and actresses. We already mentioned some of the songs that got nominated and some of the ones that aren't going to apparently be played. And it'll be interesting to see if the Oscars can keep it to under three hours. Speaking of Oscar winners, though, we've got one more thing to do before we leave you today, and that is Pan... For good. 
There's good in them there hills. We spent the bulk of our show today talking about what what age do you get ready to share some of your favorite movies with your kids and and we shared some horror stories and times where it didn't quite work out i'd like to share a time where my parents did share one of their favorites with me and and i loved it it's my parents as a couple's favorite movie called the quiet man which just so happened in an oscar tie-in to have won for best director and best cinematography uh, for a color movie back when they gave different awards for a movie in technicolor versus a movie in black and white back at the Oscars. But this John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara film is one of my parents' favorites. And it just, it's got some questionable content, I guess. The whole back half of the movie seems to be taken up by a big old fist fight uh, where they're trying to solve their differences. There's plenty of drinking and, you know, alcohol use because it happens in Ireland. And so that's it's just what comes with the movie, I guess. But even as a small child, they shared this with me and just the themes of love and, and what lengths you're willing to go for the one that you love stuck with me. And it's one of the first kind of romance movies I remember liking. And my parents definitely loved it. So it's a movie we can still come together as a family and watch and know that, that we're connected more as a family because of movies. And I think that's what we try to do here on Screen Cleaning. We shine a spotlight on the good out there in entertainment because there's plenty of bad that goes on in the news and in the people involved sometimes, but there's a lot of good as well. And, and these kind of things can spark conversations like in Wonder or give you someone to root for like in The Princess Bride or just bring a family together like with my family and watching The Quiet Man. Well, that does it for Screen Cleaning today. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to download the podcast every Friday or check us out on the radio on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, every Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Until next week.